Hi everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show and thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron and Crypto 101 Media was proud to be a sponsor of the Ethereal Summit in New York. So we sent Aaron Paul of ICO 101 and Mark Van Horn, the sales director of Crypto 101 Media to New York to get great interviews and great video footage of the summit. So for the next four episodes, we are going to put out that content for you. First, we usually put out an episode every three days, but because there's a lot of content and we don't want the content to get old, you know, it's kind of like lost in the history. We're going to put it out every other day for you. And also, I want to apologize for the audio quality. We had great cameras, great microphones, but because of all the people around, it was really hard not to get a lot of background noise. So I want to say in advance, I'm sorry about the background noise, but I hope you enjoy the content. Before we start the show, please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. There you can follow us on your social media of choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can send us an email. You can become a Patreon. Patreons, we have all of these episodes up there already for you. So if you don't want to wait every other day, go listen now. And we also have three more episodes up there for you as well. It's a little series that Danny and I recorded, Back to Basics, with Crypto 101 and Danny himself of a Decryptionary. And finally, please go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a comment, and a rating. It helps us a lot. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the content from the Ethereal Summit in New York City with Aaron Paul and Mark Van Horn, and we'll see you after the show. Today's interview features a gentleman named Richard Burton, which is episode four of four in our series from the Ethereal Summit, although this was recorded off-site. Richard was one of the early hires at Stripe, spent time at Hacker School, and did some early work on Ethereum. He is the founder of Balance.io. Balance Manager is an interface that connects to MetaMask and Ledger, allowing you to send and receive your ERC-20 tokens. It was so incredibly easy to use that I actually thought I did something wrong. The user interface is smooth, and connecting to your Ledger or MetaMask is a cinch and they have more deliverables coming shortly. I found Richard on Twitter some time back. I found many of his posts incredibly interesting and profound. So while we were here in New York for Ethereal Summit, he was conducting his own build week at his studio office not far from the venue. Anybody who wanted to come by his place was welcome. So I hit him up and he said, come on by. So I did. We spoke about all sorts of things prior to recording and the last thing we were discussing was our current infatuations with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So by the time the record button was hit we were in mid stride in conversation which is why the episode starts out the way that it does we chased the rabbit pretty deep down the hole so i hope you enjoy the interview as much as i did and end up as challenged as i was one last note i was mic'd up man on the street style so the audio is not studio quality that you're used to but that does not in any way hinder the content of this episode so please enjoy my interview with richard burton of balance.io who are you, man? And who are you in the crypto space? What are you doing? What were you doing before Balance? Talk about you, man. Yeah, Let's sure. get you out there. Well, first of all, that's incredibly kind. I wouldn't necessarily say what I'm saying is profound. To me, it just makes sense. And I find that in conversation, a lot of people kind of agree that there are a lot of things wrong with what's happening right now in the economic protocol space. And I think that actually all of your friends are correct that like most of this is a scam most of this will amount to nothing most of this is a waste of time most of this is a fraud uh, most of this is done for the wrong reasons and i went through this myself i actually went through a kind of four to six month token depression where i just you know as the price was rising i think that like everyone's distaste and kind of irky feeling around cryptocurrency mm-hmm. is absolutely spot on and all i have 
is the benefit of kind of being exposed to these ideas five years ago. And so it's taken me kind of five years to be able to spot the wood from the trees, to be able to like find the, the like tiny specks of gold among the just waste of bullshit that you see. Uh, and so perhaps it's not that I am uh, a profound thinker because that's, that's absurd in my mind, but it's just <laughs> that I have the benefit of having been exposed to the concept of protocols, dApps, unstoppable applications, and, 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 and crypto economics mm -hmm. uh, five years ago. And so at some level, it's been kind of working in the back of my brain. And that's probably a good place to start. But you said Stripe, hacker school. Right. What are these two places? So, and again, we're Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency, sure. right? We talk to our people and say, what is cryptocurrency? What is a protocol? What is blockchain? Yes. How can the plumber and the bartender and the dude who's doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and runs a little school say, I want to invest in this. This is the future. Yes. Like, how do they learn about it? So what are, for the 101s, what's the stripe? What is... Yes. Hacker school, because yes. that's very, obviously very influential for you. Yeah. And how did you get into all this? Um, I ran a small clothing store um, whilst I was at university. It was online and it sold hoodies to people. Um, and so I'd integrated three or four payment systems. And so I kind of understood like what it was like to sell clothing online. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was coasting a little bit uh, in life. I was mainly kite surfing and just like subsisting. Uh, and a very good friend took the time to walk me along and he said like, Richard, I think you are not doing anything good with your life. Uh, you're just kite surfing. Love those friends, man. Uh, yeah, like, those, those are, are fantastic friends, right? friends you need, yeah. man. And that's like my mental model for like, talking to people is I want to understand if they're on a motorway or a crossroad. Like, can you kind of turn them? Or if they're on a motorway, just don't bother. If they're on a crossroad, like a little flicker of the light can just change their lives. And, and that's what my friend did for me. So I said, you know what? I am going to apply to what the best startup I am aware of. And I knew that Stripe would succeed. And the reason was just because I had integrated four payment systems into my company and I knew they were all terrible. So when I saw that TechCrunch blog post about Patrick and John Collison starting this payments company, uh, I just thought this was a wonderful project and I could see how it would succeed because I understood their market very well. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, sent an application to Stripe and I think I had six call interviews before they decided to then fly me out. And then I had a day of interviews um, uh, at the company and, and then um, if you can imagine going from being um, uh, basically a penniless surf bum with a few weird investments uh, that like, weren't very liquid to uh, flying to, to, to San Francisco, uh, working at basically what everyone agrees now is like the best technology startup out there, 23 people. And, and on day two, meeting like Ron Conway, on like day whatever, meeting Mike Moritz, the first mm -hmm. investor in, mm -hmm. in Square. It was like getting transported out of a kind of medieval England and into a rocket ship because the company was just growing at an unbelievable pace. And, and it was amazing because I actually then developed a, a mental model for what a great startup looks like. And I think that it is a project that is creating so much value for people that it ends up growing exponentially. So why did you leave? I did not leave. I, I hired uh, one of my very good friends um, who was better than me. And, and kind of very separately, I wasn't a very good employee. And so <laughs> I, I, I did my absolute best to help out, but I'd actually never had a job outside being a waiter. And so I, I didn't really know how to function as part of a team. I did a lot of things kind of on my own, not, uh, you know, not letting people know what I was up to. Right. Uh, and I've reflected on that and it was absolutely right to fire me. I would fire me now. If I had employed that person, I would have fired that person. Have you ever 
gone back to them and say, hey man, I don't want anything back, but I want you to know I've matured and grown and... I, and we've exchanged, I've exchanged like a couple of tweets and emails and things, but uh, I'm uh, very good friends with like many of the people who were there in the kind of original 30. Mm -hmm. And um, I have no ill will or anything whatsoever. I, I count it as like the single most uh, kind of interesting kind of three or four months uh, work-wise that I had up until recently with turning around balance. So. No, I'm extremely appreciative that I got to see inside what a rocket ship looks like. I can look around the world and I have a mental model for what a rocket ship run by an alien looks like. Uh, I remember being a horrible employee as I matured because, you know, when you're 18 years old, you think you know everything that an adult knows, right? And when you're like, in, when I was in my mid-20s, I was like, man, I have it all figured out now. More than 10 years later, I'm sitting there going, even at 25, I didn't know. Yeah. And now I'm sitting there going, what don't I know? Because yeah. I don't know anything Exa anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that... Also, just I had done like three or four years of working for myself as an individual running different projects on the internet. So I kind of sit down at a laptop and I'm in my own mode. I, I, I'd never collaborated with other people. Hmm. And I, I, so I don't think I was very good to work with. I, I still think I'm difficult to work with, but I'm working, I'm working on like smoothing out some of the rough edges. <laughs> What's hacker school? Yeah, so after, um, after Stripe, I was, I was pretty upset because I knew that basically I'd missed out on a multi-million dollar payday if I'd managed to stick around. Mm -hmm. um, so you can imagine, I've been back, going back to penniless surf bum, uh, knowing for sure that you're like, like this stripe is going to be an outstanding success. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty depressed. And, um, but one of my uh, colleagues at Stripe uh, went to hacker school and the hacker school is now called the Recurse Center, uh, which is a, a writer's retreat for programmers. And that is, um, it is not a place where you go and learn to code. It is a place for programmers to take a three month break and change their career or a three month break and do something new. Hmm. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful place. It's actually based here in New York. And so, I, yeah, so I went to a three-month programming kind of retreat, and those three months were amazing. I was incredibly depressed, but those people really helped me turn my life around again and get me the energy to get back out in the world. So I, I was the worst programmer there, but the best poker player, which should probably tell you all about <laughs> like, yeah, where my skill set lies. To wind back a little bit, I then was wandering around San Francisco, having been kicked out of another startup that I started with a friend. And, and I was, you got kicked out of your startup? Yes, it was not good. Uh, it was sourcing.io and uh, I got kicked out and it was pretty tough. So I was angry and I was running around San Francisco. I was thinking, am I just the worst person in the world to like work with? Because I keep getting rejected from every project I uh, kind of come and help or work on. And so I was pretty unhappy again, but running to kind of just get fit and, 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 and beat lots of people on Strava. That was basically what I was doing. And then I heard this incredible voice come on the, um, the podcast that I was listening to at the time, just like, I want to build a decentralized world computer. And uh, I didn't really understand any of the words that he was saying, but that was the first time I heard Vitalik's voice. And <laughs> I, the first time, you never forget it. Um, and then a friend, Bill Tai, uh, or a friend now, he, he told me about this project Ethereum and uh, this meetup. And so I kind of had two data points. And then the third was, I, I was at this dingy ass hacker house, which is just a dungeon of a place, but that's all I could afford. And the sister hacker house, um, Gavin Wood came to speak and tell us all about what he wanted to do and build a world computer. And so I was really lucky where I had these like three data points. And so I came up to him totally aware. And you're of, still like, in San Fran at this time? I was just yeah, hanging out in San Francisco, just floating around, like just looking for things to do. And so I walk up to him afterwards and I say, you know, could I help with some design work? Uh, and then he kind of introduced me to this ragtag group of people. And this is before the sale, before the foundation, before anything even worked. Just a rough working white paper that was barely finished and a few ideas, um, you know. And I got to kind of hang out with this interesting pod of people. They came and stayed with me in this place I was staying in Palo Alto called the Rainbow Mansion and Vitalik and a few people came and crashed. And, 
And I was very fascinated by this group and I wanted to help. And so I started designing user interfaces um, for a DAP store uh, or a distributed application store, an, an Ethereum network monitor and a wallet and, and a few other things. And, and then I returned to England and continued to try and help Gavin. But the problem with England is it, it drains your enthusiasm for the new and all my credit card bills came due. So, so, so what, what, what killed you more, the credit card bills or the, well, the really vibe? It was 50-50. I mean, my, my family and friends are very supportive of like, the way I live my life, but they just found Ethereum to be too much of an alien idea, which is understandable. Of course. And then just I had to pay bills. So I, I kind of stopped working on the project because there was no money. I just needed like GBP, <laughs> you know. So I, I so I, I left Ethereum and, and and almost forgot about it until the crowd sale, uh, where I, where I invested some money and but even didn't even think that I would be paid or anything like that. I just kind of liked the idea. I was like, oh, I'll chuck in a little Bitcoin that I have, um, and totally forgot about it. And then a year and a half later, Ethan Wilding, this amazing man who um, did so much good work at the foundation, uh, who now is at L4 Ventures, he got in touch with me and he just said, dude, we owe you some ether, and I was like. Cool, great. Yeah, I didn't even look at the price. I was just like, I mean, anything is better than nothing. So great. Right. Um, it took a while for the ether to send, and like eventually, I kind of looked at the price, and it was honestly when I looked at the amount they were going to send me, and then like the price, I was just like, but I only did three months' work. Like you, this is this is crazy. Like, well, it was valued at X when we you know launched the network, and that's what you deserve. And like now we're going to send you X, um, but X multiplied by the new price was like. Uh, more than three months' work, you know. Pretty, it was like, pretty happy. okay, we're now at like three hundred months' work, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, it, thank you. Like, uh, that's three hundred months of like uh, uh, money for 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 three months of of time. So I was just felt incredibly grateful to Vitalik as he sent this over. I mean, it was uh, I'll never forget it because I really went from kind of um, uh, while my balance sheet was positive, every one of my assets was illiquid in kind of startups and other things. But my day-to-day -day was awful. It was like uh, credit card bills and yeah. uh, pretty constrained cash flow. So I went to kind of balance, you know, I then went to like liquid positive. And my God, it was just the biggest change in my life. It's the biggest change in my field. I, I didn't realize how much bad debt was constricting my brain until I was out of bad debt. And actually, I've realized that the shift was from debt to banks to debt to Ethereum. Because... Now we're talking thousands and thousands of months worth of work, uh, or money for three months of work, and it, I feel like I owe it to the protocol to like keep working on helping to, it to improve. I think that there is so much to be done to make it work really well, and I think that just because I was there and I was available and I was a pretty junior and not very good designer and I helped for three months, my way of paying back now has become balanced. So that's how we. That's how I feel about the project looking back. It's certainly not why it started. And we can kind of get into that if you'd like. Balance began as a side project with uh, myself um, and uh, Christian, uh, who is a co-founder, and Ben, who's a co-founder of the company. Who's crashed out over there. Yeah, and Christian, Christian's sleeping because he's been working all night. So, <laughs> so you guys started working... Uh, two and a half years ago. No, no, no. Even just that post that I saw, man, you had a, a grip of people here, yeah? And the people who are here right now in and out are just passing through our office and they're very welcome to stay. We, we have, the team is four people right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Balance began as a kind of side project to create a, a little Mac app for your money. Uh, and it plugged into an API called Plaid. That's right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. It's a really great um, company and they do uh, amazing work at kind of smoothing the rough edges of banking data. But we launched that product, and then one of Plaid's data providers pulled the data out of their system, which pulled the data out of our system, which made our product terrible. 
we got no complaints about how to use balance. We got a lot of complaints about um, the balance is wrong, the you know, transaction history is wrong, and it was really sad to like launch something that you're incredibly proud of the user interface but like the data is bad and then we were pretty low on capital because uh, like we've been working through our savings to get this and you know i had some ether left that had sold kind of roughly half of it to fund the project at this point and then thankfully ether just started mooning and um and 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 i was like well guys i'm, I'm in a somewhat different situation than i was when we entered into this project and um, it also happened that christian's roommate was working on filecoin and wanted some help with some design. And so um, we had the opportunity to go out and meet the Filecoin team in Curacao uh, in kind of, a, I, believe it was, I believe it was April. And then Juan Bennett was just this incredible character who explained to me how protocols um, can reshape a whole bunch of things. And many people view them as a kind of revolution and everything's gonna kind of be overturned, but Juan really explained them as this kind of just evolution, this just next step in the way we allocate resources. It's not going to get rid of governments or, or companies or, or any of these things we have now, but it's going to be this kind of new layer of interesting things. And honestly, that just blew my mind. So I really felt that I stumbled across the rabbit hole for three months and I got dragged back down it a year ago. And, and, and I think I'm all the way down now. I, I call people like myself stage five rabbit holders where it's just, you're not going to go back. But, where are the other stages? <laughs> uh, well, sta I think that stage zero is skepticism. Um, stage one is you bought something on Coinbase. Stage two is you've um, attempted to actually use some of these protocols. Um, I think stage three is when you take kind of self-sovereignty and you start to learn about like what it is like to actually control your money yourself, which is a lot of work. Um, I think stage four is when you can't stop researching or thinking about it, but your work, your, your work is not helping the system. And stage five is where like the rest of my career, I imagine will be just helping the system actually work. That's that profound shit that I was telling you about, right? Like it's just straight up, I don't care. You, you can be, you like, humble yourself. That is. All it is is a mental model. It's yeah, like, it's, it's a mental model. That's all it is. But, but imagine all those people how important that is, because imagine all those people who are going through that rabbit hole, exactly. who have no clear definition or clear mental model of what that rabbit hole is. Right. They think they're crazy. Their family thinks they're crazy. Exactly. They can't explain what the heck, yes. what, so what the hole is you, that they're chasing. When you talk to stage zero, expect the conversation to multiply by zero. <laughs> like, just expect it to be of no value. Mm -hmm. And then you don't get angry. I don't get upset when somebody tells me Bitcoin is no value, because they're at stage zero, and that's fine. <laughs> Like, whereas, and what you eventually, when you get to stage five, that's when you get to meet the rabbits. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's when the like, rabbits start DMing you and they go, just so you know, this is what we're digging. And that's where I'm at, and it's fucking exciting. And once you've committed to it full time, it resonates with people who are actually at the frontiers of what's possible, who are actually trying to make these things scalable, trying to make these things usable, trying to make the infrastructure. And so, to the extent that people are getting in contact with me or, or, or um, follow me on Twitter, which is incredible, I really appreciate, it's probably because they recognize that I'm at stage five and I'm well aware of what this stuff can and can't do. It cannot do many of the things that state people who are not at the frontier uh, say that it can. But if we continue working extremely hard, like in 20 years, it will be able to do all the things that they say it can do now. So. I don't think that's profound so much as just realistic. Mm -hmm. Pragmatic, as I guess yeah. uh, Amber would have said yesterday. Yeah. You had mentioned that you had gotten some crowdsourcing for this at the at the beginning, and that you're going to go for you're going to go for another round of crowdsourcing. How did you first 
raise that crowdsourcing? What do you need from the community? Uh, so that's right. So last year, um, everyone was doing a token sale. I didn't understand what the tokens were meant to do in 99.99% of the cases. You mean the tokens disguise the securities? Yeah. Possibly? Or just, Maybe. Like, just abstract adjacent tokens that would kind of run alongside um, the business and not dilute the founders and, and, uh, and all kinds of things. In Ethereum, the pitch for the token was clear from day one. You will pay for computation via gas using Ethereum. I mean, there was a very clear pitch mm -hmm. on why you would have a token. The token engineering uh, wasn't perfect by any means, but at least we could all, as humans, understand it. How many other teams really can pitch to you such a clear and compelling case for a token? If it's one in a hundred, they're doing well. And so we decided as a wallet creator or as a user interface team, we don't have a reason for selling a token. We don't mm -hmm. have a white paper. We don't, uh, we're not inventing a new protocol. We're not changing an economic system. We just think this stuff's really hard to use. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I, I did need, you know, I do want some outside investment, but I also know how wonderful it was to have that investment come from a community. And so for me, what I was most excited about was, was raising crowdfunding equity, because then I would have people I know were invested in the company, not just trying to flip my token. And so yeah, that's what we did. We used WeFunder um, and we published a page. You can see, still see it and you can see how little I, of an idea I had about exactly what we were gonna do, but I knew like roughly why we were gonna do it. That's wefunder.com slash balance and you can see that there. Cool, I'll uh, grab that from you. Yeah, and we will be um, doing another crowdfunding round 12 months on from the last one. So that will be uh, announced soon and uh, will be live the end of August. Okay. And what did the first crowdfund do for you and what is the second crowdfund going to do for you? Yeah, so we raised uh, 1.4 million dollars um, and it was one of the most successful equity crowdfundings in the US. Um, you're actually limited by the number of non-accredited investors who can actually put money into your company. Yes. So that's at 1.07 million. That's right. Um, and uh, what that did for us is it, it gave us some seed money uh, to hire people and to try and fit, find product market fit. and we failed miserably to find it for a good six months. And in the last four months, we, we have found it. And so that really has achieved the goal of, of making something people want. Mm -hmm. um, and now we will be raising more capital at the end of August to make more things that people want. So I wanna get into balance. Yeah, sure. And I don't know all about it, but I know it's a wallet. I know it's a mobile wallet. One of the things Matthew Aaron on Crypto 101 had uh, CZ, CEO of Binance yes. on a couple weeks ago, and he said the most important thing in the crypto space right now that they are pushing hard is mobile wallets. Yeah, right. Sure. For him to say that was pretty profound, right? Yeah, I, what are you doing with it? What is the problem that's trying to solve? Yes. Why is it going to kick ass? The mobile wallet is yes. the next frontier, right? Right. The, an excellent mobile wallet. So, yes. what are you guys doing? Like, how is it going to work? At first, I remember reading ERC-20 tokens. I'll be able to view my uh -huh. ERC-20 tokens. Yes. I'll be able to securely move money around from that wallet to yeah. wherever I want to move it to. Is yeah. that the 101 understanding of it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, perhaps I could just give you an overview of Balance the Project and then sure. the three products we're going to launch this year. Awesome. So Balance is a company that will make products for protocols. The only protocol we focus on right now is Ethereum um, because I view that as the most interesting place for development. Um, the uh, 
product we have launched is called Manager. And so this is for people who are kind of stage two or three rabbit holders. That is to say, they already have some Ethereum, they already have a Ledger, they already have MetaMask, and they want to manage their wallets that they already have. So you can manage your browser wallet and you can manage your hardware wallet. So um, Manager is, we launched that three weeks ago. Um, it's launched three weeks ago? Yes. Fantastic. And the, and the product is really going very well. Uh, like a lot of people seem to love it. And what it allows you to do is view your tokens, which turns out to be a non-trivial task, uh, see the balances, uh, and uh, send the money, which is kind of the obvious stuff. Um, we'll be launching the ability to buy any available token that we can um, in, in around a week or so. So you can think of Manager as a tool for people who already get Ethereum. Right? Um, so Wallet is our next product, and that is a mobile wallet that will be suitable for day-to-day -day funds. So in the same way you don't store your life savings in your wallet, you want to store money to kind of get around day-to-day, -day, and then these kind of access cards uh, to your actual real funds. Uh, and so Wallet will be a very useful tool for um, kind of spending small amounts in dApps, sending kind of money to friends, um, paying for things. Uh, later this year, we want to launch the Balance Safe, and that is going to be a, um, uh, a contract that lives on Ethereum that basically stores your funds in a way that is a lot more secure than the current system. And this is not an idea we've come up with, it is an idea that's been pushed by many members in the community, and we just want to design a great user interface around a lot of this work. And I really credit Alex van der Sand um, and um, FabCD on uh, Twitter for kind of explaining these ideas to me. So, so you can think of these three things as a, a manager for your existing wallets, a wallet for your day-to-day -day money, and then a safe for a large chunk of your funds. And together, these three products are, are um, going to, I think, help people buy, sell, manage uh, both their Ether and the tokens that live on Ethereum, which are, as we know, ERC-20 tokens. Sure. Um, and so that's like just a set of tools we're going to offer. But the long-term plan is, 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 a lot, is a lot bigger now. The three things you just mentioned now are 2018. That's right. That's what we'll ship within this year. Okay. Yeah. And so let's talk about 2019, maybe even 2020. What do those two years look like? Let's just go there because yeah. you're moving fast. So let's just say 2019. What I think is happening in this space is that every single service a bank is providing today through centralized software and poorly written code and terrible execution. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try is going to be competed with on the open financial system. So whether it's a loan or insurance or a mortgage or a payday kind of payout or a credit card, eventually they will have competition from unstoppable protocols that are running software which sits above nation states and will become much easier to use. So a great example is Dharma, uh, which is a protocol for issuing loans. Now, right now, if you were to choose between... What is Dharma for the 101? uh, Dharma is a protocol for creating loans on Ethereum. Now, right now, if you wanted to get a loan from a bank or a loan from Dharma, there's no competition. The banks win. But that's now. I, I honestly believe that within two or three years, you'll be able to get a loan quicker, cheaper, and easier. Uh, and it will happen to be running on the blockchain, and it, it will be powered by Dharma's smart contracts, and the user interface will be balanced. Is Ethland powered by Dharma? Uh, I don't know. Okay. And when you say a loan, are you talking a secured loan? So right now, banks uh, issue you an un- mostly unsecured loan. Yeah. How do you, in a peer-to-peer, how do you get that money? How do you envision somebody now being able to purchase cryptocurrencies and then, A, not run away from it, yep. and B, not have to collateralize it with your car or your own home or yep. fill in the blank. I don't know all the answers here uh, because I, I'm still learning. Sure. But I imagine that they will work together with a protocol like Bloom, which is for creating credit scores for Ethereum addresses. So you can imagine how you could offer someone a $100 loan. If they don't pay it back, that Ethereum address just gets a negative score. But if they do pay it back, it's like, okay, there might be other people who'd be willing to lend you $200. Mm-hmm. And you can see how if you want access to credit mm-hmm. and you enjoy the system, that you could build up a credit score by opting in. So um, I think that many of those things need to be worked out. But I'm convinced that because all of this software is open source, it will improve at a rate that has just never been seen before in the closed financial system. If you zoom out and sit on the moon and look at the world, think about all the software engineers who are writing a ledger system or a currency conversion system or a debt system or a loan uh, packaging system or or an insurance system. All of these banks rewrite everything all of themselves with engineers who work nine to five and who don't really care about what they're doing. And what's actually happening in the open financial system is there are a few people who get it who are working six till 11 and who are sharing all the code, sharing everything they learn, and all working together to create common systems. So a great example of this is like Xerox and 
It's a project that allows people to exchange tokens, which is quite a complex task. Anyone can go and use Xerox's smart contracts. Anyone can use their software. Anyone can um, interact with their tools. No one has to reinvent the wheel. A great example is our wallet. Our wallet will benefit from all the other wallet developers working on common pieces of code. We're just going to adapt the user interface. And if anybody hates balance, and they hate what I, like me, or they hate our team, or they hate a tweet I wrote, they can just fork our product, launch a new one, and call it something else. And if they're better than us, they deserve to win. And so there's this openness uh, that leads to this fierce level of competition and cooperation that means that I just don't see how the closed financial system competes uh, over time. So 2019, with, with that said, you gave me the overview. Yeah, you... 2019, I expect that we will launch what I think is the most important product in the space, uh, which is the ability to recover your funds. So uh, to open your safe if you lose your keys. <laughs> there are loads of different techniques about how to do this. I don't have any of the answers, but I have a lot of inputs, and sure. we're working on trying to get that right. But I view that as the most crucial problem, because right now there's a kind of two ends of the spectrum. You either have security or you have usability. So if you want to be able to reaccess your funds, store them with Coinbase, and you can reset your password if you forget it. But if you want security and you want independence, you want sovereignty, then you need to learn how to manage your own private keys and set up a lot of systems to get that right. And I, be I believe that those two have been like opposed for a long time, but that there are ways to bring them closer together mm -hmm. um, with a great user experience. And for me, when I first came into the space, this is very appealing to me. Mm. I'm very new, yeah. right? I'm just drinking from the fire hose here and, yeah. and enjoying every minute of it. That's great. That's what, well, that's, and that's what we learn in jiu-jitsu, right? You drink that's from it. the fire hose. It's just, yeah. And one of the things that I tell my friends who, who I try to get into the space to say it's too complicated. Yes. And if I lose, like, and I'm so nervous to send money that if I lose it, it's gone. Exactly. And I can't recover it. Yeah. And I tell them, yes, that's a problem, but that's the exact reason why we need to be in the space. Yes. Because that's the only way that it can get fixed. Yeah. If we have enough people saying that that's, that's an issue, and if somebody is actually speculating, then I guess that that would be... <laughs> yeah. That would be a reason to be in here too because it is complicated and you can't get mass adoption if everybody's afraid that they're going to lose their money yeah. if they send it to their grandparents or they're sending it across the world. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, there's lots of things to be fixed. You said that when you were with Ethereum and, and you want to do this for them, you owe the protocol a debt. Yeah. Why else? What else is your motivator? Well, actually, I think that really is it. Um, many people now have more than enough money. Uh, in this space. So they, I think they need to find a new number to motivate them. Sure. Um, and many people don't have that number and that's why they don't work very hard. When Vitalik sent me that ether and I went from being kind of in really bad debt to, um, with, with some, you know, again, the balance sheet was fine, but the, but the present cash flow was terrible. When I went from that bad debt day to day to having just a year of thinking time, just a year of freedom of cash, God, it was the best feeling. Mm -hmm. and, 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 it, and it made me realize, I just think that too many people are in extremely bad debt. And it's something I've come to appreciate more and more. And, and, and so the why, and this is something I really kind of came to the conclusion in the last kind of three or four months, is the number I want to focus on is, can we use these protocols to give people a new mindset around money where they are encouraged to take kind of control and to, to, to a bit of responsibility 
and they can learn about this new system and benefit from it and perhaps they will be indebted to the protocols um, as well. And that's kind of where my mental model has shifted is, is uh, debt in and of itself is not bad, but the, um, having so many people in just such abject like poverty and in a setup where they can't pay it back is terrible. I mean, recently I decided to actually try and pay off those credit cards, like to just, you know, it was like a psychological moment where I was like, you know what, I'm going to let go of that bad debt. Like maybe that's what I should do. And I logged into these websites and tried to pay off the debt. I can more than afford it now. Mm-hmm. And you can't. I can't. They wrote it off. Well, not that they wrote it off. Or um, they sent you to some weird collection. No, 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 or it's some... definitely not wrote off. Like I'm still paying the interest on them. The interest was a kind of motivating factor. Really? There are, there are, yeah, deliberately. There's a psychological kind of, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter to me now anymore. I'm paying the interest on those credit cards as a kind of reminder. But I thought, you know what, now I'm going to pay them off. Now I'm in a stage where it's, it's good to pay them off. Some of the user interfaces, they don't let you send oh. all the money. <laughs> so they're like, you have to pay it off in months. So even now I'm able to pay it off. They won't let you. Yeah. I know, this man. This is the kind of stuff that we just accept. Yeah. Where all of these credit cards slide you into this terrible debt spiral mm-hmm. and then hold people down like crazy. And I think that many people in this space have not experienced that. Mm-hmm. Because they're all software engineers who are extremely well paid. But I I get the fear, I get the shakes just thinking about it. And so, you know, it might be crazy, but I mean, I have no reason to work. I'm a volunteer here at Balance. Um, I don't have to get up at six in the morning and get to it. Um, So why am I doing this? And and I I, I understand that now. And, And it's, if we get the opportunity to even slightly redesign parts of the financial system, even ever so slightly, not a revolution, not a destruction of government, not a kind of total new paradigm, all the bullshit you hear in the space, just can we just have a few more people in good debt rather than bad debt? Mm-hmm. That would be great. And so that's my number is how many people have we helped out with that? I experienced growing up, society doesn't teach us how to manage our money. Exactly. They only teach us how to get into debt. Yes. And we're taught that it's okay to have a credit card so long as you pay the balance because you need to build your credit. Bullshit. Exactly. We're not we're taught that, hey, just test drive this shiny new vehicle. Yeah. And don't even think about the three hundred dollars that you know you can quote unquote afford, yeah. but how that three hundred dollars is gonna crush you because you didn't even think about the gas that you were gonna have exactly. to put in. You didn't think about how your yeah. insurance was gonna go up, and yeah. all of a sudden you have this person on the other end of the line saying, yeah. you go us money, give me your money, give yeah. me your money, especially in the United States, yeah. debt collectors are pretty brutal. Yeah. And I experienced that in my early 20s, crushing, yeah. crushing, crushing debt. It yeah. changed my life because it's horrendous, right? it's hor- horrendous. It was the worst experience and of my life. your relationships, everything, work. everything, 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 right? everything. Not one, you, you're, like, the day-to-day struggle. Yeah, and the, the anxiety. It was horrible. It's horrendous. It yeah. closes your mind down. Absolutely. And then, and then when you, not to have like untold riches, but just a bit of freedom, just 12 yeah. months runway, yeah. just so that you could say, I want to quit my job, and I know I can chill for a year. Yeah. That opens your mind up. Society said I was successful. I climbed my way up in a, a corporate ladder real quick, real young, made good money. Sure. But while I was making money, I still wasn't crushing debt. It, doesn't, it was a facade. Oh, All of it was a facade. So, and, it looked good from the outside. Yeah, yeah. It looked good on a, on a W-2. And that's, and, that's, <laughs> and, that's, um, and that's the thing is that 
Moving from external validation to internal validation, the hardest things that people have to do. I spent so much time, I fought for years to get out of that debt. Yeah. And then as soon as I got out of debt, I saved up enough money that yeah. I quit my job, I left, I walked out of it and I moved to China. Awesome. I had no friends, no money. Changed my life. Yeah. There was a lot of things. There was a lot of soul searching, a lot of yeah, mental, yeah. like who am I, what am I doing, what was all this sure, worth, sure. What, yeah. am I going to be working for the man for my entire life? Yeah. Like how you know, do I have to? Yeah. I'm a slave to the job to pay off the yeah. debt that I shouldn't have even had to begin with because society told me I had to have it. At least slaves had zero. <laughs> yeah, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> slaves just have nothing. Yeah, like, zero. Right? I tell people that all the time. Yeah. Zero is way better than negative. Exactly. 100% yeah, all again, the time. Again, obviously, there's good debt, like a well-structured mortgage from an ethical bank. Great. I mean, like, or ways in which you might take on correctly structured student debt. Wonderful. But let's be honest. So much of debt at a personal level is not very helpful. No, not at all. I've never had one person say to me, you know, I really like my credit card debt. Yeah. I enjoy writing that check every single month. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, you it was totally useless. worth that MacBook Pro. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. Um, but I, underst I, I understand, it's but, so but it's important. It's so important. It's so and important because if you don't figure out what gets you up in the morning, then none of these people building these protocols are going to work hard because they've all made so much money. Yeah. But they don't deserve it. Ethereum does not deserve the price tag it has. It has not created the, the value that it's priced at. It is way overpriced, and we all know it. You can ask anyone and they all think, okay, I mean, there's about 30 million hodlers or people who hold some form of cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. and there's like 30,000 daily active users of dApps, mm -hmm. and most of that's just trading. Mm -hmm. So we may be talking three to 10,000 users mm -hmm. of these applications, actual yeah. users, and yet it's valued at nearly half a trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. Uh, to be clear, hodling Bitcoin is a usage, but let's be real about Ethereum. No one's really using it. Guys like me, um, people at this conference, we wanna be involved. We wanna see that disruption of the, the financial institutions, at least for me, for things that you and I have experienced. And I'm sure millions and millions and millions of other people have experienced. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not a programmer. I'm doing this because I want to be in the space, yeah. right? We have a team of people who are full-time professionals that are yeah. blogging for us, they're yeah. editing for us, and they just want to be in the space because that's the skill that they have. Yeah. How can the average person, how can the person who's consumed in debt right now, they want to leave their job, they believe in this space, they want that freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can they retool themselves right now? Yeah. And get, get into the space? Let me give you a confession. I've never read the Ethereum white paper uh, front to back. I've tried my best, but I don't understand the words that are on the page. Absolutely. But I understood Vitalik and I understood Gavin. Those were good people, okay, trying to do good work and, and they're doing their best. And I think that much gets lost in that. You can get kind of swept away by the buzzwords or the hype or the rumor or all that stuff. But if people want to go down the five stages of the rabbit hole, they need to learn. And all the information is there for free. Mm -hmm. uh, they need to learn. And so. I always send people this link. It's called Crypto Canon on A16Z. I have it. I saved it's, it. It's fantastic. I, I yep. just maybe put the link in the podcast. Okay. The number of people I've sent that to, probably 500. Um, number of people who I genuinely believe have actually read everything, uh, maybe 10. Number of people who genuinely understood what they read, maybe three. All three of them are free. All three. So we're talking, like most people will say they want to do this stuff. When most people would say they want to be good at, Fighting. Like most people say they want to be fit, but like it will, most people won't. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have any time or sympathy for people who aren't going to learn because all the information is free. Um, and so it, I cannot tell you anything else other than what to read and what to focus on. And what you should read is crypto canon and what you should focus on is the people. Because at the end of the day, a protocol just reflects the people who started it. And if you don't try and figure out the people, you won't understand why the protocol does what it does. Hmm. So that's my advice. And that is very simple advice that's extremely hard to follow. So I hope that most people uh, kind of take that to heart. And if a few more people end up following it, great. Because there's three people I know who are very, very, very happy. Well, I, I must confess, I believe that I, I think you circulated that. I have to check. Yeah. I have it. Yeah. I think I know I saved it and I said and I and I glanced through it. Yeah. But now you've you've challenged me. You've, yeah. you've laid it down. And it might take you it might take you five years to get through it. Five years. Yeah, but what's five years if you get fifty? Five years. Yeah, no, I don't mean to read it, I mean to understand it. Ah, okay. I got it you, take got you. Five days to read it. Oh, as gotcha. in, but as in it's taken me five years to I mean basically all the things there are like what I have come to understand over five years. Yeah. And, and it was really getting exposed to it early, having it running in my head for That's four right. years, and then for, for a year I've been immersed I got you. in it. So we can learn the basics straight away, you can read everything straight away, but, but be prepared to put in the time. Sure. Nothing's, nothing's quick or free and easy. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on the people and you're willing to learn and you're willing to put in time, if you don't end up free, I'll be surprised. Because you can spot the bullshit like crazy. I mean, great example, concrete example for me, the minute I heard Will Warren from Zero X come online, I was just, uh, on the podcast, I was like, I'm putting my third of my net worth into that. And it worked out very well um, because Xerox is awesome. And like, it's a very, very good project. Um, and I understood what they were probably trying to solve. But like for everyone else, they're just listening to podcast after podcast after podcast after podcast. And I was like, no, that guy gets it. He's raising the right amount of money with a huge problem. He's distributing the tokens widely. Um, I really love the way in which he's uh, going about everything he's doing. Uh, they've designed the website perfectly. If this works, it'll have trillions of dollars flowing through it. It's just like so obvious to me but only after like four years. It's not obvious to someone else. It's not obvious to my dad. So, so yeah, I, 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 that's why I would advise people. We see often these huge valuations for companies doing token sales, $15 million, $20 million, $30 million. In your estimation, how ridiculous is that if it is ridiculous? And what is a reasonable startup costs for anything in this blockchain? Yeah, sure. Million dollars, $2 million, $3 million? What yeah. do you think? Based on your, you've done it. You've been well, involved in them. I personally think that nearly all token projects are overfunded in the short term and underfunded in the near term. So let's take Filecoin, for example. They raised the, one of the biggest ICOs ever, $250 million, right? Uh, but the protocol isn't live yet. If Filecoin actually works and they're actually going to take a chunk out of Amazon's business, they're going to need like $10 billion not 250 million. So I think they have too much now and too little long term. Mm-hmm. But Filecoin's the best team out there. They're like some of the most amazing people like doing incredible work and like genuine research and have shipped IPFS as incredible network. So like Filecoin's the golden example of execution and yet I still feel un- nervous about their capital structure. So let's just dive down into the bullshit here. You've just when people say they've raised 30 million, many times what they've actually done is launder 15 million for criminals. There are stories coming out in my networks where people have struggled to get their token listed on exchange and they just have gangsters showing up at their door. So 
You can tell me all you want about your community of token holders, but actually, the, many of these token sales are just front-running and disgusting systems which are essentially money laundering. And I really hope the crackdown comes because I think we need like an 80% correction. So, um, which would be very positive for the space. Really would be to get a reality check on how little value we've shipped. We might have some high prices, but we have very low value. So, um, my opinion is that uh, more projects should raise what they need to get to the next stage. There are so many things wrong with the venture capital model. I hate it. But raising in stages that is commensurate with your progress is mm -hmm. not one of them. And I, I say to people, I'm like, look, I'm nobody. Like, I'm just an, uh, a new person. But I have seen like Patrick and John Collison at Strike do incredible work. And they raised in stages. They started off with a little bit of seed money. They shipped a product. They raised some more to kind of do the deals with the banks. They went public. Like, as in, they went public with their product. The product grew like crazy. They raised a bunch more capital to get to an office in San Francisco and grow. The product went global. They raised a huge chunk of capital. Blah, 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 blah. Like, these things require more capital at the right steps. And so, given that I've not met anyone better at like creating technology and shipping software than like Patrick and John Collison, I find it really hard to look any founder in the eyes and go, yeah, you, you definitely should raise your A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and public IPO level of money in one round. I really mm -hmm. think that's a great idea. It's bullshit. Now, there are projects that are taking a more thoughtful approach. Like, I'm not sure on the specifics, but Melonport, they didn't sell all their tokens at once. They said, we're selling a bunch, and we're going we're to build out the software, improve the model, and like, when it all works, we'll sell some more. Which is exactly the same as shares in a company. Mm -hmm. You know, Balance like, sold some shares to friends and family who helped the company go from zero to one. And then we needed more money, so we raised some, some more money, a large valuation, to help us to get from kind of one to ten. And now that we want to go from an organization of kind of four or five people to an organization of 50, we are going to raise a lot more money at the end of August. And we've shown a lot of progress. We've found product market fit. And so many times, if you raise that much capital, how hard are you really going to work if you've got a billion dollar network value? Mm -hmm. how, how hard, really? Because this is the biggest myth in Web3 is everyone's saying, oh God, Silicon Valley's dead and like San Francisco is not the center of innovation and all this crap. I've give seen them, some of the debate. Give them five years. Just wait. And you, I don't believe that there will be a better hub than San Francisco. And it's just because the culture is we work harder. Now, I don't mean sacrificing sleep. I don't mean being, you know, masochistic in the way in which you work. I, I try and make sure I get my sleep and those things. But there is an obsession and a kind of focus that happens in San Francisco that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. Everything is designed to help you focus on your company. And it's a horrible place to do anything else. It's a horrible place to start a company. It's a wonderful place to grow one. So when I see all of these people raising too much capital, what I see is junior management that's scared of dying. And what you have to accept when you start something is that it's going to die at some point. And it's just a question of how soon. And if you give a Lambo to a baby, what's the fucking point? Mm -hmm. You know, really, what is the point? But the, the really good teams accept that we need enough money to build a skateboard. And once we built the skateboard, we're gonna build the bike. And we need some more money then. And once we built the bike, we're gonna build the car. It's like, okay, we need some more money then. And then it's like, right, I think we actually might be good enough to build a rocket ship now. 
Like, now we need a shitload of fuel to stick in this rocket ship. And I think that organizationally, as a company, as a project, as a team, as a, as a, as a, as a group of people working together, that those stages are incredibly helpful. Because Balance almost didn't even make a skateboard, and therefore the company deserves to die. And so I think that many, many, many Tokacell projects could benefit from a similar mentality. What skateboard can you ship in six months? Instead of what rocket ship can you build in 10 years? Mm-hmm. Awesome. We got the crowd sale coming up in August. Uh, uh, yeah. You want them to go visit, let's visit the website. They can download the wallet right now. Uh, so they can use Manager right now. So if you Manager. have MetaMask, Ledger, and very soon Trezor, uh-huh. uh, you'll be able to use our product. Okay. Um, they can sign up for the newsletter where we'll be announcing everything around the product and uh, the crowdfunding uh, on balance.io. Basically, anyone can DM me at any time. Like, right. I'm on Twitter a lot because I'm trying to encourage a community of people to help us. The thing I'd love to talk about a little bit as well is this project we launched called Wallet Connect. Uh, and Wallet Connect is a system that allows any wallet to talk to any distributed application. So if you've ever used WhatsApp on the web, mm-hmm. the way in which that works is you have a QR code that pops up on the website, you log into the WhatsApp app on your phone, and you scan the QR code, and it establishes a, a secure connection between the web-based application and the mobile app. And we actually think this is a really nice interaction model for uh, distributed applications. So we started something called the Wallet Connect Foundation, and we launched this open source project. And so if anyone's a programmer and like, would like to help us today, uh, we'd really invite them to check it out at github.com slash WalletConnect. And if anyone's not a programmer, but they'd like to kind of just help in some other way, uh, very happy to like, invite you in. And it's um, t.me slash WalletConnect, the, the telegram. And we've got a really nice community of people there from kind of marketers to translators to you know, all kinds of things. So if you're someone who's non-technical and you're searching for a way to help a project, I'll do my best to like find something where you could help us. Um, we'll be not rewarding you commensurate with what your time, but like what little capital we have, we're going to do our best to reward people for that. And I'm very excited because the Ethereum Foundation just gave that project a $150,000 grant, uh, which we'll be getting in stages and, and we'll be deploying that capital to the community. We'll be uh, finding people who want to help us. So yeah, Wallet Connect is, is something that people can like dive into, check out, understand, like evangelize and help right now. And um, if anyone wants to message me at any time, my Twitter is twitter.com slash Rick Burton, that's R-I-C-B-U-R-T-O-N. And you can DM me your questions or anything anytime. And if I can point you in the right direction mm-hmm. and kind of help you get one stage down the rabbit hole, then my job's done. So, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to all four episodes from the Ethereal Summit. We hope that in these four episodes, you heard some new projects, got some new ideas, and, well, had a good time because we had a good time too making them. We will see you with regular episodes of Crypto 101 in the future. And before we go, like always, ApogeeCrypto.com. That's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place for your real-time prices. CryptoNews.com, the best place for your news. And WP on the Fly, if you want a website. We will see you in the next episode where we go back to the basics with Danny M. Salem of Decryptionary. We'll see you then. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.